it's this cool magical thing that's moving around through the city. And most people, when a magical bike musical lands in their lap while they're having their picnic in the park, think that's an amazing, awesome, magical moment. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Bike Portland podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Moss. In this episode, we go behind the scenes with cast members of Bike Play, which, if you haven't seen it yet, is that amazing theatrical performance that happens each year during Pedalpalooza. Uh, for the uninitiated, Bike Play is pretty much just what it sounds like. It's a play with actors uh, with a script that are performing live in front of an audience, but instead of doing it uh, in a stuffy playhouse, it's happening uh, in locations out in the open in public space throughout the city. And the actors and the audience are biking together to each of them. It's quickly become like a Petapalooza classic. I mean, this is something that is uh, many people's favorite event of the what is now a three-month-long Petapalooza festival. One of the people who was just absolutely fell head over heels for bike play when they first saw it was Bike Portland events editor Marisa Arango. She liked it so much that she invited three of the bike players, Christopher Mahoney Watson, Nick Fenster, and Noel Eaton, into the studio to record this episode. She asked them for their fondest memories. Uh, they went over some of their, their biggest fails. She even asked them to sing her favorite bike play theme song one more time, and they were nice enough to oblige. So sit back and have a listen. Hi, this is Maritza Rango. We are today with some special people from Bike Plate. I have Chris, Noel, and Nick with me. I'm going to let them introduce themselves later, but I'm really excited to speak about Bike Plate. This year, this summer 2021, was my first Bike Plate. I am new to Portland, so it was a great way to visit around, get to know the city, and get to explore a little bit of the art scene after being inside <laughs> and being at home for so long and this was actually my first play uh, after March 2020 <laughs> so it was really I really enjoy it uh, welcome to our podcast Chris Nick and Noel thank you thank you thank you would you like to share something about yourself tell tell us who you are what do you do in bike play uh, I guess I'll go first. Uh, yeah, my name's Chris. I uh, met Noel through uh, Portland State. Uh, we were both doing the acting program there. Um, and then eventually I saw bike play. And I was, at the time, a full-time bike commuter and uh, really into acting. So <laughs> I wrangled, which uh, what is what we call what everyone else in Petalooza calls corking, um, just helping the ride, basically. Uh, for one year, and then the next year, I was like, "Well, I definitely want to be in this," and I've uh, been in every bike play since then. I also started by wrangling. Noel, did you start by wrangling, or were you involved in the first bike play just as a ar artiste? I uh, also wrangled the first year. Yes. Yeah. Um, I feel like yeah, that's so how you get get into bike play. That's right. That's <laughs> that, is, that is the audition. <laughs> Will you, yeah. will you put your body between a car and the ride? That's the test. <laughs> You're in. <laughs> so what about you, um, Noel? Tell us a little bit about your story getting into bike play. Um, so um, I am and was member of the Working Theater Collective. The Working Theater Collective no longer exists outside of bike play anymore. Um, we used to do shows, though, um, you know, a whole season of shows. And so... Um, one of our company members 
he suggested we do a play on bikes as part of, you know, Pedalpalooza. And so I kind of helped in, I like started working on the show, but I was in college at the time and I was really busy kind of finishing up my term. And so I couldn't do the show, but I did come and wrangle it that year and then was hooked. And so, uh, that man, Noah, that I mentioned, he directed it for the first three years and then he moved away. And so after that, I was like, this show needs to continue. So I directed it the next year and I've been a producer of sorts since then. Um, which is just kind of getting the gang back together. So I've been getting the gang back together ever since um, and helping do social media kind of stuff as well. Um, and I have acted in almost every bike play, all but two. Wow, <laughs> great. And how about you, Nick? Uh, yeah, so I, uh, like I mentioned, I wrangled the first year um, mm -hmm. and I met uh, Noah, the director, through work. Uh, we both worked for a children's theater here in town. Mm -hmm. um, and so he needed some extra bodies to help the ride happen. Um, I was also dating someone uh, who was performing in it that year. Um, and so I just sort of tagged along as a volunteer, and I was corking and uh, doing sort of odd jobs, carrying props and things like that. Um, and uh, I have, I'm a theater guy. I've been a theater person my, my whole life. And so I was very excited to get into the ride. Um, and uh, the next year, which was North Saddle Up and Ride, which was our bike Western, um, I was a writer and divisor and a collaborator and performer in that one. Um, and I've been in probably a little over half of them now, and I've been involved in most of them. If I'm not in them, I've been doing the sound cart or wrangling, um, but I've been a performer and a writer, and I've directed uh, two of them, uh, Bike Odyssey and uh, Bike Play the Musical. Um, and this year was back to performing, a total blast. So. <laughs> okay, so it looks like stopping a car is one thing and then dating someone is the second thing <laughs> to, yeah. to, to get in. <laughs> I, I really, I really can't, I can't overemphasize. I mean, the, the dating one sounds nepotistic, but really it's, uh, it's really being a wrangler, putting your body in front of the car. That's really yeah. the thing that bike play wants out of people. Well, <laughs> Everything that's... else is secondary. Okay. I really want you to go like real quick through the story of bike play. Like how did it start it? What's, what's your personal story with it? How do you feel? Because I have this feeling that, a lot of people have been coming and going from the team. So what I'm guessing here is that each one of you have like a different version of all of this. But what can you share about this story? Yeah, again, um, it started in 2009, um, thanks to Noah Martin, who, um, yeah, those first three years he directed it. And then after that, he hasn't been back. <laughs> But we're so grateful for his a beautiful idea and we've just taken it and kind of run with it um and like i said the working theater collective disbanded because a lot of folks moved away but um i'm so happy we kept it going we're kind of on like fourth generation now bike play like people who were like wranglers to the wranglers to the wranglers <laughs> so would you say that it was the biking or the theater first what did come first I mean, I guess both. We were all, I would say all of us were, uh, uh, especially at that time, really avid bicyclists. I don't think any of us had cars at the time. So we were cyclists and we were theater people 
and both of those things are really important to us. And so the idea of combining them was really exciting. But I mean, ultimately, we were a theater company, but an experimental theater company and interested in creating theater in interesting and surprising locations. Mm-hmm. And I love the the experimental aspect of, you know, a normal theater, you do a scene change from like a doctor's office to a warehouse and you, you know, you take down the curtains and bring out the boxes. Um, and one of the things that I've always loved about bike play is that you literally change scenes. <laughs> you go to a different location and the audience goes with you. And I think there's something very uh, cool and fourth wall breaky about that. It's that magic trick where Houdini made the city disappear, but without the magic part, like we just take the audience and transplant them in a new location and go up, oh, you're somewhere else now. So I'm going to go to the organizational part of it, the choreography. How does this happen? Because working in the arts is always a thing, you know? You never, it's never obvious for the people that, like, see a play or visit a museum or go and listen to some music what is all that work that is behind the scenes because it's not just like you do some rehearsal and then go and bike play but there's like this whole entire thing happening behind so i would love to know more about that who does what when how i mean we're so fortunate to have such talented and trained people in our crew like we have dance choreographers and we have i mean we have i guess we have the real deal you know that's what it feels like and then me you know i'll add, yes. I'll add to that that um one of the interesting things about bike play is that it's devised theater so we generally start with no idea of what the show is going to be like and then all of the cast together um creates and contributes whatever they can so if you want to write you can write if you want to choreograph a dance you can choreograph a dance if you want to write an original song for example um you can do that and also on the other side of the coin if you don't feel like you can't contribute in any of those you can uh just act and be there or wrangle or anything so um it's kind of a give what you can devising system i guess yeah I was going to say, it depends a little bit. I think, you know, different years, different directors have taken different approaches. It's always devised. It's always created in collaboration. Sometimes a director will come in with an idea that they want specifically to explore. Um, and sometimes we don't even know when we get in the room what the theme is going to be. I remember really vividly, I can't remember on the, the Western if we knew it was a Western going in. But I remember that the early rehearsals were all like these improvised scenes and dances around like mad science and like molecules and things and then somehow it was like an archetypal western film by the end of that process so i think it really does evolve over time uh, depending on what group gets together and what they're thinking so how long does this process take so normally what happens is like in like january maybe of the of the year mm-hmm. noel uh sends out an email saying we should really get a head start on this thing and figure out who's going to direct <laughs> and then May rolls around and we start having those conversations for real. I was imagining like, no, you were rehearsing like for all year round or. <laughs> We've rehearsed, I would say, as little as six weeks and as much as six months. Yeah. I mean, it just depends on the project. When we did the musical, we knew that if we're going to write an original musical, that it was going to take um, some serious work. And so that that process, I think, started all the way back in December. But that, you know, that was kind of a special case. So. 
I usually, usually I think it's like, you know, a couple months. So what are the, let's say, quote unquote, positions that take to make a play like this? So there's obviously a director and then what? Uh, director, uh, Noel always serves as producer, whether or not Noel is directing, which, so sometimes both. Um, and then you have the devising group, which is usually also the performers. Sometimes you have people who just want to write or just want to choreograph or contribute in that way. Um, and we certainly have people who come in and out of the process that help out, but often that will also make up your cast for the show. Uh, and then you've got obviously the volunteer wranglers, the sort of essential position we're always scrambling to find right at the last second is somebody to pull the sound bike, which is very <laughs> heavy and very critical. Um, and you have to know the route and you have to be confident on your bike and you've got to be able probably to you know hit some sound cues on your phone. Um, so that's sort of an essential position that we always end up looking for. And then Chris's sister, um, Kelsey, is one of our choreographers. And so um, there's a point every year where we reach out to Kelsey, help, <laughs> help right, us yeah. create something, make us look good. And how does it work with choosing where to go is the story that comes first and is the story that will like reveal the places that you'll visit or is the places that you're interested on working that will also help you create the story it's kind of chicken and egg if you ask me i was just gonna say it's changed a little bit year to year i think typically we've come in with you know by the time we know the theme we also kind of know the area of town we're interested in broadly so we'll say like oh we've just done a bunch You know, of years in a row where we were in Northeast, like let's look at something in Southeast or um, it, pick a different neighborhood. You know, we've, I think three times started in Lad Circle. It's a pretty good meeting spot. Um, and then from there, we'll work out the show more and start to scout locations near the starting location area that we've picked to figure out what fits. You know, you're looking for things that strike you as sort of evocative of the theme. So if we're looking for, like post-apocalyptic environments. We'll look for like cool sites where there's maybe like less people, less infrastructure, something like a broken down storage facility or something like that in the neighborhood. Um, and you're trying to keep you know, the route kind of a loop and to a certain length because it's a family ride and you've got kids that aren't going to want to go up really steep hills and things like that. Um, and sometimes then when we're doing that scouting, we'll find a location that just really has a character of its own and we create a scene around the space. Um, I remember there was a scene in Bike Musical where we, uh, was it Jefferson High School with the big staircase? Um, yes. And we were like, okay, well, we have to have a scene now where somebody stands on top of the staircase and speaks to the crowd below because the acoustics here are amazing and they're like 100 feet up in the air. Um, and so we developed a scene around that spot. It kind of works both ways. Hand yeah, so it's like I was imagining, like letting also the spots talk a little bit to the play and shape the story, right? We try to, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. And using the, whatever the environment is for, you know, dramatic effect or comedic effect or whatever it is we're going for. Uh, example from last year's, I say last year's, but two years ago, because we took the COVID year off, um, for uh, the big one, the first one I directed, there was a scene with a bunch of columns facing the audience and I had the actors like pop their heads out to deliver their lines um, And like we wouldn't have been able to do that without the columns there. And that's not something that we thought about ahead of time. But once we saw that spot, we were like, well, we definitely need to incorporate this somehow. And sometimes you have like a perfect location picked out and it 
meets the scene's needs perfectly, and then a, a scary group of fifth grade kickball <laughs> enthusiasts chase you away. Yeah, or the you church have to find closes their else. parking lot doors, you know, their gate or something yeah. on like opening night. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because there's something very particular about theater and dance is that there's always like a scenography designer or a scenography design happening, but here is is like using the CD as a scenography or like adapting the places so that's pretty cool i like definitely yeah there's definitely a gorilla theater aspect to it too because we don't always (laughs) get permission i was gonna ask that so you know it's more of a less less than 100 percent of the time do we get official permission (laughs) (laughs) there's a number lower than 100 percent for sure and we've i mean we've been kicked out of places before we've had almost every single year there's a situation that comes up that requires us to suddenly pivot and move a scene on a given day we've had streets that are just suddenly closed down and we're like oh Okay, so we're bringing the audience this way and, you know, mm-hmm, trying yeah. to figure out something uh, real quick before the audience gets there. Sometimes we fight back. Sometimes there's a wedding at our site downtown and we just do the scene anyway. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's an adventure. Or a quinceanera on the, the, the gazebo we're planning on oh, using. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just use the quinceanera scenario <laughs> and change the, the, the play. That's yeah, right, on the fly, yeah. <laughs> I would say the basic philosophy of bike play is that once once we're performing, not the rehearsal process, but once we're performing, the most we're ever in one location is about 10 minutes, usually lasts more like five minutes. Um, and so five minutes is, is usually short enough that you're not really in anyone's hair for too long. Um, and I guess if, if you are, then by the time they can respond, you're already moving on. Um, but also uh, that it's this cool, magical thing that's moving around through the city. And most people, when... Uh, a magical bike musical lands in their lap while they're having their picnic in the park. I think that's an amazing, awesome, magical moment that is not what they were, you know, I think about it a lot like, um, if, do you know March 4th is like a marching band in town and they do uh, March 4th and I love Bomb Go-Go. They'll do these things where they just sort of bar hop around and then suddenly the bar is full of marching band. And no one's upset that a marching band came in because it got loud for five minutes. They think that this amazing magical thing has happened. I think it's the same thing here. It's like five minutes of something extraordinary outside the scope of your normal day. Uh, and you might get a little irritated if it went on for 15 minutes, but we're usually gone by then. Yeah, we get way more like, wow, this is so cool. Who are you guys? What are you doing? And then we do of uh, get off my land uh, so far. <laughs> the rehearsal process is a little different. <laughs> but do you so. rehearse like, of course, in place, right? Yeah. Some so of you both. start like, yeah, you start like getting into those situations with landowners or. Yeah, I think yeah. We, we mostly rehearse. We we you know, do the runs. We'll we'll where we're actually running the show. We'll bounce around to all the actual locations. Often we're rehearsing in one park or one location in the early stages of the show as we develop it. Um, unless we're focusing on choreographing a scene in a particular location. So. I'm going to ask each one of you for a memory or a story, something memorable from your time in bike play, something, it can be good, it can be bad, it can be funny. I don't know. One of the first things that comes to your mind that have ever happened to you or you've seen happening to people during bike play. It's hard to choose just one when I've been in or seen everyone. Um, I yeah, which guess, is your favorite, Noel? 
I have two favorites. My two favorite bike plays are the very the second one, the first one I ever did, which was the saddle up and ride the western. Um, and and I also loved. I mean, I love, I love all of them, but bike play the musical just because it was just such a feat, and it was so I, I was so impressed by what we accomplished. But I think that first year that I was in it, um, that western. Um, the audience was, they all dressed up and it was just, uh, that was a really fun experience. Everyone dressed up with us and just getting some of the references we were making and just, I don't know. I think it was like, um, it was just so fun to see that, that, um, the audience experience, um, for the first time as an actor, but I really loved, we, we took the ride up North, um, and we ended at the bluffs. And I just remember ending at the bluffs. And it was maybe my first time experiencing the Skidmore bluffs too. And just the show ending there. And we had like um, a song that we sang together. And then the sunsets. And uh, yeah, just like a really... And I think a lot of audience too. Just being like, where are we? This place is so cool. Um, so that's one of my favorite memories and experiences. What about you, Chris? I'll go with... A memory from the most recent bike play that we just closed a few weeks ago. Um, so for closing night, we had a really large audience. Um, because it was so large, I didn't think it was going to fit in the scene that we'd rehearsed it in and we'd done the first two shows at. So I biked ahead of the the Peloton, the big crowd of people, to try to find another area and found these basketball courts that were very close to where we were going to perform. And they were well lit, which was awesome. Um especially because it's outdoor theater and it was getting kind of dark. So, you know, free lighting, you know, take that 10 times out of 10. Um, so as the audience is gathering in and uh, all the actors are getting set on stage, nine o'clock hits and boom, it goes totally dark. All the lights turn off and the audience is all like, oh, because they can obviously tell this is, you know, <laughs> unscripted and a bummer. Um, but then all the bike players kind of organically just started telling the audience, like, you've all got bike lights, like turn on your bike lights and point them at us, the actors. And they did. And it was this beautiful sense of like community, like the audience, we couldn't have done the show without the audience and they were a part of it. And with their support, we were able to do the final scene and do the final dance number. And, um, yeah, I'm going to remember that moment for a long, long time. That was uh, really powerful and beautiful. Well, me too. I was there that day and it was really beautiful to see that happening. Yeah, it was really magical. What about you, Nick? Let's see. I, I, I got a couple of thoughts. I mean, I was in North was the first one I did it. I think that show is still one of my favorites I've done. Um, it, just because it was the first one. It was the first time the audience... The first bike play was um, was not... Uh, narrative it was like a, a series of small vignettes and sketches um and it had a you know it hadn't found its audience yet so it was a little bit of a smaller crowd and and the second year it really exploded you know because of the word of mouth from the first year and we tried something more narrative um and i think that just kind of blew people's minds um because it was like oh it's actually like a full-on play with words that you memorized and characters and an arc and all that um but i think that uh probably the, the iconic moments for me in my memory are st are both in one that I wasn't a performer in, but I did the sound cart for, um, which was Bite Noir. Um, and there's a moment that'll, anybody who's seen it will always talk about and ask us if we're ever going to do it again, where we um, had uh, actors doing a scene right below the Hawthorne Bridge and they're doing a scene and then they start referencing something and in, in the background, 
these two actors with giant cardboard cutout shadow puppets appear on the Hawthorne Bridge hundreds of feet away and start miming this scene behind them. And that change of perspective, you know, from something happening right next to you to something happening hundreds of feet away, but both being in the same scene, um, just got this amazing response every time we did it. And uh, we, I was pulling the sound card. And, um, and it's something that people still mention to me every time uh, I ask them about previous bike plays they've seen. Um, the other one being that later on in that same play, there was a scene at a fountain downtown across from the Keller Auditorium. And I think it was Mary Poppins was in town at that point on its national tour. And every night, uh, right as we were wrapping up our scene, intermission would happen, and about 2,000 people would come out and see us doing this play across the street. Um, and, and then they wouldn't go back in. They'd just stay with bike play because it was the better show, That's <laughs> what I like to think. So those are two memories for me. I have one more moment to add, if that's okay. Usually bike plays in June because that's when pedal palooza typically happens. And so we, we've had a lot of rain mishaps. I would say. And so uh, one funny story is the very first bike play that ever happened. Um, it was pouring rain, just pouring so hard. And uh, so the actors showed up to their location and no one came except for the parents of, of uh, just like two parents. <laughs> so nobody showed up at all. Aww. And it's just kind of a funny, <laughs> a funny start to bike play. And, uh, you know, at the time probably, you know, stunk. But, you know, looking back, it's just... It's a just a fun a fun memory, and there's been lots of other you know rain moments. I remember uh, having a scene where we had to like roll around on the ground to do something, and just like I remember wearing a white dress and being like, "This is happening," you know, and the audience being like, "Oh, you're doing it! It's happening! You're rolling around in the rain." Um, so yeah, rain always brings some some interest. Yep. <laughs> I was going to ask about your epic fails, but it seems like the rain is like the big epic fail. Do you have yeah. an, another one? I don't really remember. Noel um, had a pyrotechnic mishap uh, oh. a few bike plays ago. That was one of the few times I was <laughs> worried for the physical safety of the cast members. Yeah, I don't know if Noel wants to share that with us. Yeah, we had a, a scene in Lorehurst Park where we were... Um, lifting a character up into space like it was um right yep we're going to the <laughs> so yeah, it was like a we rocket ship lifting yeah. Her, yeah it was like a rocket ship so we were lifting her up and um two of us had like these smoke bomb kind of things and so i was holding that and then all of a sudden i realized that my hat had caught fire and so I, you know, we're trying to do this no. scene and I'm like quickly trying to put out the fire on my hat. And in the meantime, I like really badly burned my finger. And so my finger was all bubbled and uh, just disgusting. <laughs> but we kept going and went to the next scene and finished the show. And then I showed everyone like, look what happened to me. <laughs> show must go on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's, that's a good one. <laughs> Does anyone else have another epic failed story i mean i already spoiled the one about getting intimidated by a group of fifth graders but that was oh. pretty <laughs> we were we had been rehearsing uh out at uh the school on clickitat um that had this great little outdoor amphitheater space hard top with a raised like stair terrace that the audience could sit on and look down below um and also, it was a scene where, like, the ground was supposed to be a clock. So we were like, oh, this is great. Like, it's a big circle. We'll make it into this big clock. It's perfect. And it's this beautiful environment. And um, 
every time when we went there, there was like a group of kids nearby. Uh, it was a pretty active park at that point. And on like the third night of being there, the sort of ringleader of the group walked up to us and she said, um, how long are you going to be doing your like gym exercise thing here? Because we play kickball here and we're like, oh, I'm so sorry. Like we can get out your hair for tonight. Like, and like, no, no, we play kickball here every night. And we're like, oh, and like, yeah, so it's, it's kind of something we do all the time and we had to find a new location i would say that's the most i've ever been intimidated by somebody in the course of bike play i think with adults i wouldn't have felt it but because it's like a bunch of fifth graders and their kickball also just making us feel so like oh your gym your little gym exercises your exercises your weird <laughs> exercise thing with the bike there <laughs> yeah like you were mentioning just when you mentioned you played under the hawthorne bridge i was like whoa how how did you do that? It's so hard to even have a conversation under the Hawthorne Bridge. Because it looked cool. That's, that's it why. Does. <laughs> it does look cool, yeah. but oof, it is loud. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think that's also where like bike play scripts have evolved to have things be as overt as possible. There's no subtext in bike play. It's kind of like Shakespeare that way. Everything is like stated out in the open and repeatedly and as simply and loudly as we can. The plot points, usually characters will respond by restating the point the previous character has just made because it's so hard in that environment to convey the plot um, clearly uh, to the audience if they can't hear every word you're saying. So often we'll just get around that by having characters repeat points with some frequency. I want to add to that a little bit and just the, the importance of you know, taking care of your voice and being loud, but also just, um, uh, it just definitely takes us, it takes getting used to and takes, I guess, an actor that can handle just being weird and loud and doing vocal warm-ups outside when people are walking by being like, I don't know what you're doing. Um, we've definitely had, I think, actors that have been pretty shy about it and uncomfortable about it. And, you know, usually it might not work out for that person. Um, it's, that's a different beast for sure. Going from the safety of, a of a, you know, dark theater box <laughs> to doing it out in the open um, for rehearsal every day. I guess it takes a lot of just putting yourself out there and be, like being vulnerable, you know, like being watched. So next time you can just go and rehearsal on the, the Hawthorne Bridge so yeah. no one will hear you. <laughs> I think, you know, because human beings were like super conditioned to not take up a lot of space, not draw attention to ourselves in public places. Um, it's really hard to get past that sort of impulse that you're bothering people and that once they realize you're bothering them, they're going to come over and say something mean to you or chase you away, um, which never, just about never happens. Um, and you have to do a few plays before you realize it's not going to happen. But I do think that getting into that mindset, even you know, with the being loud, not being loud, it's the... I'm going to come over here without the benefit of the audience to cue these other people into the fact that I'm doing a play and <laughs> do the play for myself. Yeah. Well, this is also why I wanted to have this conversation is like for your audience and for your possible future, future audiences to just put more value on all that work you do. Cause when I saw the play, I just like realize oh like this thing has so much work behind and as I said like me working in the culture um in the cultural field 
I know the importance of people like acknowledging all the work that is behind and knowing that there's a lot of humans there working hard to making that happen and making that couple of hours, minutes, days the best of <laughs> whatever that huge effort can be. Uh, where can people find more about you? Uh, we have an Instagram account. Uh, our handle is Bike Play. We have a Facebook group. It's um, the Working Theater Collective. And we have WordPress, the Working Theater Collective. Um, and that's our social media platforms. Great. Thank you very much for being here, Nick, Chris, Noel. Can I ask a last thing before we go? You can totally say no, but... I've been singing in my head that song. <laughs> and I just, I would love to have it here and for people to just end this podcast with the last bike play song you sang at the end of it. Would you sing it for me? <laughs> do we know it? Uh, I know. It's can like, can we just do just the final <laughs> verse the or the final yeah. chorus? Final so, chorus? I know yeah, it. So. Bike then it happens and it happens <laughs> our worries melt away and happens and there's anything we may think there's gonna think we're gonna see oh yeah I'd go through the whole thing in my head <laughs> just to get there I, I, I think Chris is volunteering to solo it because Chris seems to I know, know the words I, I, I know the chorus <laughs> I know the part I sang me too no I'm kidding I don't know <laughs> no I think we can make this happen um, mm -hmm. let me just get myself in the right headspace here for I'm so excited okay so so the coming out of the bridge it's like Now it's time to show them what we got. We, we got, got music, dancing, movement. That's a lot. A lot. Uh oh, there's a More sink issue here. More than <laughs> ever could have asked for. for. We're all on bikes. <laughs> bikes. You'll, you'll like, like it, it anyway. anyway Cause, Cause it's <laughs> bike play, bike play, a a a a bike play, bike play. A A A A bike play bike play. That's how you build a bike play. Oh, that's a nice smooth like jazz. That. Yeah, that's the, the sink issue. Made yeah. It yeah, yeah, thanks, Chris. Thanks, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thanks, thanks, guys, for having <laughs> my back you. there. Thank you. Thank uh, you so much, Chris. Just got to get out of the way and let the pros handle it. Thank you for being here, and yeah, I hope to see you next year in the next bike play. We'll be there. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Thank you. Bye-bye. <laughs> Thank you, Maritza. That was three members of the Bike Play cast, Christopher Mahoney-Watson, Nick Fenster, and Noel Eaton. Thanks for listening. If you liked it, please leave us a review and make sure to subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. And remember, Bike Portland is supported by people just like you. So please sign up to subscribe today. Until next time, see you out on the streets, and thanks for listening. <laughs>